Hello, everyone. This is David Douthit. And Molly Douthit. And welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul. Today, we are covering iSmart and NatureSmart for the complimentary lectionary selections for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. Job and the psalmist each seek an audience with God. Paul looks to the future, and Jesus returned to encourage the Thessalonians' daily living. In Luke, the Sadducees try to trap Jesus with a silly question about the resurrection. There's nothing silly about adding multiple intelligence illustrations to your sermon, though. This podcast is based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, centered on the weekly readings for the Revised Common Lectionary, we develop illustrations and special effects using various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. Over the course of four weeks, we will cover word smart, eye smart, math smart, body smart, music smart, nature smart, people smart, and self smart. You can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage, morethanhearing.org. Join us as we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Then, we encourage you to try it for yourself. Anytime and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started. Well, yes, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us today, and we hope to bring you some goodies. Uh, We're looking at uh, Year C, Ordinary 32, and we've got the complimentary passages. And I'm doing Nature Smart this week, and Molly is doing iSmart. So uh, just, you know, we've been doing these for all year telling you what these are. So hopefully you've been listening and have an idea. But nature's or have been chasing down the links that we've provided. Indeed. Um, but Nature Smart is uh, that intelligence that uh, is fascinated with the outside, with natural elements of animals, minerals, and vegetables, and uh, and classifying them and and categorizing them. That's that's an important part of Nature Smart. So these are folks who want to be outside generally and enjoy. The uh, all the things that make up nature. Enjoy and learn. Obviously. Educate themselves. Educate yes. others. Yes. Um, why does this do this? And uh, yeah. in, in, in not necessarily uh, conducting experiments, but definitely having an observational eye toward the outside, yes. the outdoors. Yes. So botanists and biologists mm-hmm. and folks like that would definitely be nature smart uh, rangers and, Herbalists. and uh, all those sorts of folks. Right? And so you might have some of them in your church as well. And mm-hmm. as we always say with this one, you might have to bring a little of the outside inside for yep. them to engage in the nature smart. So uh, uh, talking about those outdoor elements uh, if you can't actually bring them in. Right. 
So how about iSmart? iSmart is the visual people. Uh, Not only visual what they see with their eyeballs, but what they see with their imaginations. Also, visual spatial, uh, the the movement of things that, that kind of sort of seems like it sounds like it's from body smart, but it isn't necessarily. It's a sense of space and how things are. Spatial in, relations. Yes. And that kind of, in some ways, even pulls in a little bit of math smart because there are certain um, logical people who can spatially arrange things. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The game Tetris, for example, example. is a visual game, but it it really lights up the logical uh, part of the brain as you're playing it. Jenga, Um, too, would be the 3D. Jenga, yes, yes, 3D, yeah. (laughs) Oh, and that's even fun when you play giant Jenga with two by twos. Yeah, (laughs) that's a lot of fun. Be careful when you pull them out. Yes. Um, so iSmart is usually one of the things that we rely with WordSmart and MusicSmart as one of the more utilized intelligences in worship. Uh, think of your worship space and what you see when you walk in. You see the light coming through the windows. You see the pyramids. You see uh, whatever sorts of things might be in your worship space, maybe to decorate for the day or for the season. Um, it's a sense of where you are in that space too, and who else is there, not only people, but the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. So it's a definite awareness of um, uh, location. Uh, so that's a, a good way of thinking of it that way too. Um, artists are people who are very visual smart, graphic artists. So if you have those folks in your congregation, uh, they are really um, utilize them from time to time to illuminate this particular uh, intelligence. We've also got an episode from three years ago, and so you can look at that on the website, morethanhearing.org. And uh, that time we did the uh, the Haggai passage for the Old Testament. This year we're doing the complementary track for the Old Testament, so uh, it'll be a little different. But we do have the Thessalonians and Luke passages uh, in that episode three years ago. So have a look at that and then enjoy what we've got coming coming up for you right now. The Old Testament lesson for Year C, Ordinary 32, uh, for the complimentary track, is Job 19, verses 23 to 27a. And uh, it is Job in the midst of all of his sufferings and uh, saying that he is ready to... um, to commit to the Lord here. Let's let's get this going. And so he says I, that my words were written down, that they were inscribed in a book. Hey, how about that? They are. Uh, <laughs> Imagine. For I know my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, my fl- in my flesh I will see God. Handel's Messiah. Music smart right there. Is that in the mm-hmm. Messiah? Oh, yes. I, All the commentary I read on this one, every single one of them mentioned that aria. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I know that line because it was uh, it's on my great 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 grandfather's tombstone. Oh, actually, David. Douthit. David Douthit. Douthit. But which part of it? I know that my I know Redeemer, Redeemer lives. Yeah. That's actually a fairly common uh, scripture selection for funerals. That's the second thing that's mentioned yeah, in yeah. all the commentary. 
So, um, okay. So looking at this for nature smart, I was thinking about verses 25 and 26, this part about the, the redeemer living and coming. And even though my, my skin has been destroyed, I will see God. And I, I, I was thinking of how that might work in the natural order of things. And I thought of the, uh, Sarah McLaughlin commercials for the SPCA where they show all the uh, animals who are just suffering and, and oh big eyed and everything. And then, and then you I know, really the, hope those ads are effective and that people donate because <laughs> if you don't, Oh my gosh. There, there was uh there were a couple of interviews with her where she says she can't watch them. Oh, I actually. imagine. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, and and I watched a couple of them. And I was like, <laughs> um, did you donate? No. Oh, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm hard-hearted. Um, anyway, the 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 abused and neglected animals uh, are are then seen being rescued and cleaned up and given a uh, forever home. Yes, and so uh, Job in this case would be, be would be playing the part of the animal being rescued. Hmm. Uh, of course, in Job, it doesn't end up quite that way, you know, the way the commercial does. It's it's a little more complicated, but <laughs> there it is. Um, and then uh, for special effect, you would just show one of those commercials, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and then uh, make sure people know where to donate, I guess. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Be sure you or, have Kleenex on hand, not. too. Yeah. 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 So how about iSmart? iSmart, several different things caught my attention. And one of the first things that nabbed it was in verse uh, 24, when Job is saying he wishes his words could be engraved on a rock forever. And that got me to thinking about things that are engraved on a rock. And I also went looking for the word rock. In Hebrew, it's sur, which is a rocky wall or a cliff. Ha, hey, there are some things. Um, for example, in South Dakota... There are two mo different monuments, Mount Rushmore and mm. the Crazy Horse Monument that mm -hmm. are being carved out of rock. It's not words, it's images, right. but the idea is kind of the same. Um, Stone Mountain in Georgia. Mm. Uh, and there's a place called Register Rock in Idaho um, where uh, uh, pioneers... Uh, European pioneers traversing the, the mm. northwestern United mm -hmm. States would come to this particular place where they could take a break before they pushed on for the Pacific Northwest. And there, was, there are rocks that are sticking up out of the ground. And people uh, wrote their names on them. Ooh, ooh, this also reminds me yeah. of the place in Three New Mexico. Rivers, yes, Three Rivers yeah. Petroglyphs, which is an ancient form of doing that, mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool if you get I a chance to go. I was just waiting for you to stop talking so, <laughs> so I could throw could that in there. That. So there it is. Yeah. Good. I'm surprised I didn't think of that earlier. I don't have that on my show notes. I'll add that. Yeah. Uh, so then also in verses 25 and 27, um, uh, some commentary. There's some nature smart in all of those things oh, yeah, too, but totally, the, yeah, totally the, the kind so. of rock, yeah. yeah, and how it holds it and engraving. Yeah. Um, okay. Also, going with verses 25 and 27 that David mentioned earlier, uh, Brian Jones' commentary at Working Preacher um, has a, a translation by somebody else named David Kleins, uh, who trans translates those these verses this way but i know that my champion lives and that he will rise last to speak for me on earth even after my skin has thus been stripped from me yet to behold eloah 
or God, while still in my flesh, that is my desire, to see him for myself, to see him with my own eyes, not as a stranger. Um, so this mm. to me seemed to be like the experience you have of waiting for someone to show up. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're looking down the rail tracks, you're looking down the road, you're looking down the jetway, you're waiting, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking. So there's some uh, anticipation that is satisfied by seeing mm. uh, somebody appear. Uh, also with those particular verses, um, uh, Catherine Schifferdecker also has some commentary, and I'll have all of these over at the show notes at the website. Uh, she says, clinging to the God whom he also at the same time accuses. This is the paradoxical mm. stance of faith that Job takes. Job exemplifies that posture of lament. And so borrow a little bit from Body Smart here and encourage your congregation to find to a, a stand to stand in lament. How would it look to be an emblem of someone wounded who still demands justice and deliverance? Mm. What does that look like? And you can, you know, pull body smart into that and have your folks express that in their own bodies or have somebody, you know, up front who can do that, which, which engages eye smart or think of people that, you know, who have been wounded uh, and who are still demanding justice. And there would be lots of pictures on the interwebs that oh, you yeah, could use totally. and uh, produce a little slideshow thereof. Mm -hmm. Be careful what you pick, though, because they could be kind of disturbing. Might want to keep that in mind. Well, I was thinking of the protest calling for justice more than the oh, wounds. Oh, 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 yes, yes, that'd probably be a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go on. The psalm for year C, ordinary 32, is Psalm 17, verses 1 through 9. This is the lion's share of the psalm, a little bit more than halfway, I guess. Um, but it is a prayer for, the title given it is a prayer for deliverance from persecutors, a prayer of David. Um, it goes on with uh, a, a great deal of plea for, um, to God to listen to, this, to the supplications, give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. Hmm. Uh, if you try my heart, if you visit me by night, if you test me, you will find no wickedness in me. My mouth does not transgress. Uh, so he's really um, um, trying to uh, present himself in the best possible light so that God will listen and, and attend to his pleas. Down at verse 8, it says, Guard me as the apple of the eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who despoil me, my deadly enemies who surround me. So he's really looking for some help here and trying to present himself as somebody who's worthy of being helped. Mm-hmm. Looking at, I, I did a little uh, background on this, some commentary, again, from Working Preacher by, by Carla Suomala. She says, Psalm 17 is infused with the same sense of intimacy, confidence, boldness, purpose, and urgency that Jesus models for his disciples in the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. And that could be an interesting uh, word smart uh, exercise. Take this psalm and Luke 11 and, mm -hmm. and compare them. Uh, but the, the, the thing that caught my attention, uh, for here for iSmart is the apple of the eye. Um, apple in Hebrew is Ishan, which is literally translated as pupil. 
How the English translation got around to Apple is not entirely clear, <laughs> uh, but either one suggests that uh, what is central to one's vision, uh, either a place of biology, which is the actual pupil itself in your eyeball, which is mm -hmm. some nature smart, uh, privilege, which is a little bit of people and self smart, and endearment. Mm -hmm. So the psalmist is asking God for the attention God would give to something in the center of God's vision. You always see me, you won't forget me kind of thing. Like those floaters you get mm -hmm. as you age. Mm -hmm. We always see them, but the brain eventually allows for us to, quote, forget them uh, because Pent our brains get used to yeah. it. Yeah, but they are always still there. And so sometimes if you're driving or you're watching television, floaty by, it's like, darn it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of an illustration of the always present in the line of vision, which is what the psalmist is going for here. Mm. So, uh, for a special mm. effect, if the psalmist is asking to be placed in God's center vision and remain there, then this guy's making a pretty bold claim. It's like getting in someone's path and not moving out of it, regardless of how much they try to avoid you. Mm. So you could do this, demonstrate this. This is a little bit of body smart as well. Ask two volunteers to come up front and designate one of them the eyeball and one of them the apple. And ask the eyeball to move around and ask the apple to stay in the center as the eyeball moves around. Uh, so eyeball, you know, move around mm -hmm. a little bit. Apple, stick with them. So it's kind of a, 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 a sort of a weird game of tag, yeah. it would be, or or a weird pantomime where the I'm apple... tag. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So, and after you've done this for a while, ask the participants what it was like to do this. Was it What was it like to be the eyeball? Did you finally just stop and focus on the apple because you were getting tired and obviously you couldn't get out of the way? Or what was it like to be the apple? How much energy did you expend to stay in the center and what does it mean to ask God to make you the center of God's attention? So hmm. this special effects leans a little bit on people and self and body smart. But, yeah, yeah. you know, what the heck, why not? Let's throw them back in there. Sure. Very good. That's fun. So what have you got for uh, nature smart? Well, uh, in spite of the apples in the wings, um, <laughs> What, what I clicked on was verse 5, my steps have held fast to your paths, my feet have not slipped. And I remembered a time when I was in college and going with some friends to a nearby waterfall, and uh, it was my roommate and a couple of girls. And so this, uh, the waterfall was where everybody went if you know what I mean. And so uh, it was It was early in the spring, though, and the rocks uh, along the path were wet and slick and icy in places. Oh, geez. And a lot of up and down. And uh, we were all just wearing sneakers. And oh, it was um, it was kind of challenging. And there was one place on the return trip that was pretty steep and it was entirely icy. And so you kind of had to just sit down and slide. Um, the problem was that there was like a 40 foot drop <laughs> at the end of this. So you had to aim at this one tree. Oh, gee. 
my so gosh. you didn't go off the edge. At least this is how I remember it all these years later. But um, it might not have been 40 <laughs> feet. I don't know. But it, When you tell this 10 years from now, it'll be a 50-foot yeah. drop. <laughs> um, yes. So anyway, anyway if we had been traveling more with the Lord, as perhaps the psalm suggests, then uh, we would have had boots with some tread and maybe some crampons and maybe a walking pole with a point on the end, mm. you know, something so that even in the rough terrain and the slick terrain, our feet would not be moved. Hmm. And uh, so this would... Uh, connect with nature smart folks for you know that sense of hiking and being out in the woods and all that kind of knowing thing. how so, to traverse uh and, and not terribly um uh, cooperative ground indeed yes indeed. Uh, rocks dust loose dirt those sorts yeah. of things yeah. yeah ice yeah snow snow rain mud yeah slick moss on rocks. Oh, all those geez. things. I have so many scraped up shins for that. When we were kids and we'd go up into the Rocky Mountains and climb around and, yeah, hey, I can jump onto the owl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. um, so anyway, the idea is to be prepared and to walk in the path and, uh, and do it well. Cool. Okay, let's go on. The New Testament lesson for Year C, Ordinary 32, is 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-5, and 13-17, about the man of lawlessness and uh, the coming salvation. So it starts off, apparently there were some in Thessalonica who thought that the day of the Lord had already come. And so Paul is trying to correct that idea and say, no, 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 you'll know when it comes. Um, And it is not yet. But first, before all the things happen, there has to be the man of lawlessness who appears and is revealed. And um, the, this is the one destined for destruction. <laughs> and that this is someone who sets himself up to be God in the temple. So, okay, there's that. And then there's a chunk that gets cut out about that, more about that guy who um, is lawless and who will be destroyed and, and so on. And then it picks up again in verse 13. We must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, um, etc. And um, and for this purpose, God called you through our proclamation. So stand firm and hold fast to the to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. And to the Lord Jesus Christ be glory and honor. This is kind of challenging for from a nature uh, point of view, yeah. but uh, uh, I connected here with that standing firm part and mm-hmm. holding fast. Mm-hmm. And I think we've probably used this in the past, but uh, thinking of an oak tree in a windstorm. Mm. And so that that tree is rooted deeply into the earth, mm-hmm. and and uh, oak trees 
when they're young, start off by sending a taproot, a big, heavy, straight taproot down. Those are impressive things. And then they branch out from there and have layers of uh, lateral roots mm-hmm. that can extend well past the leaf canopy of the tree. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's both deep and wide, deep and wide. <laughs> Music smart. <laughs> <laughs> There's an oak tree standing deep and wide. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so um, that's what Paul is is hoping for the Thessalonians, that they will be so well-rooted in the traditions that he has passed on to them, the teachings that he has inculcated, that they will not be blown about right. even if the man of lawless, lawlessness appears. Right. Or right. when. Right. So I've got a couple of links uh, to some articles about uh, the roots of oak trees and trees in general mm-hmm. that you can take a look at. And for special effect, again, you just show some pictures of these root systems mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, you can take a look at the worksheet for those links. Um Uh, There's a quote in one article that's not specifically about oak trees, uh, although they're in there. Uh, It says, a 2009 study by Susan Day and Eric Wiseman at Virginia Tech uh, (laughs) analyzed young trees less than eight inches in diameter growing in unobstructed soil and found that the ratio of root radius to trunk diameter is about 38 to (gasps) 1. Wow. Yeah. So wow. a six-inch wide tree could have roots 19 feet wide. gum. Whew. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That is. That explains why sometimes when you're trying to dig in the dirt around trees and you hit a root, <laughs> bonk. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember um, when my parents in Colorado decided they were going to take a uh, cottonwood out of our backyard, they cut it down and then they decided... I don't know if they decided or if the people who were taking the tree down decided that they wanted to get the taproot out. Mm. And they pulled out this it, this thing that was about five feet long. Yeah. Uh, so I guess cottonwoods don't have taproots quite like oak trees. But it was, it was really long. It was about uh, four or five uh, inches in diameter. And it was super heavy. It took them like two or three guys to get it back behind the shed. And then um, it's stayed back there for uh, months until mom and dad decided they were finally going to get rid of it. So they had some people at the house and they said, okay, let's go get that root because they figured it was heavy. So they went out there and they got everybody ready to lift the root and they went and they practically threw the thing up into the air because (laughs) it had evaporated all the water and it had evaporated at that point. So it was just kind of this piece of balsa wood almost. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was a bit of a surprise, but it was really long and super heavy. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing that how trees can sink something down into the ground. That's yeah. a cool image. I love yeah. that. You can do so much with that. <laughs> anyway, so let's go over to iSmart. Um, I'm sticking with commentary at Working Preacher. Um, a quote from Mariam Kemmel says, Rather than becoming distracted by detailed maps of the end times and time frames for the rapture, this frame technique that Paul uses... Uh, allows us to see Paul's purpose in the chapter, stated in verses 2 and in 15. 
encouragement that they not become easily unsettled or alarmed, but instead that they stand firm and hold fast to the teachings he gave them in person. So that got me to thinking if, if, you know, she's talking about Paul using a literary framework, but what if we did a framework visually? It would be like a tent, Hmm. Or one of those arches that you see sometimes at weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what they're called. But to successfully um, erect a tent. A yeah, oh, for, yeah, for, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't Jewish think of that tradition. one. Um, but t- or to successfully. Yeah. Oh, okay. Also in the Jewish tradition. Yes. Um, so to successfully erect any of those things, you need to balance the structure. And so that's what Paul is doing with this. Um, don't be easily alarmed. Hold fast to the teachings. So for a special effect, set that up. Set up some poles labeled, do not be alarmed, shaken, frightened, troubled, tossed, whatever. Uh, and some others labeled persevere and stand firm or things like that. You know, hmm. just set all those up and then take a sheet and place it over the top labeled Paul's teachings or Jesus teachings or whatever you want to do. The gospel. Yeah. And if you want to add other or more words, select words or phrases out of verses 13 and 14 that you could add to that. Or, you know, use a tree. Well, that would be another. (laughs) Pull in the nature smart. Ta-da. There you go. So you could have like, don't be alarmed on the uprights mm-hmm. and stand firm in the on the crossbeams or something. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's go on. The gospel lesson for Year C, uh, Ordinary 32, is from Luke, leaping practically all the way to the end of chapter 20. We're, we're taking a big vault from Zacchaeus from last last time to questions about the resurrection, the Sadducees taking their turn to try to uh, trap Jesus and discredit him in front of people. So um, they come, they, they, uh, Luke mentions the fact that the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, and so they come and ask him a question about the resurrection, uh, including in this question the uh, uh, Jewish law of, uh, the Jewish um, practice of Levite law, Levite marriage. Um, and it's really kind of ridiculous the way it, 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 the first question might be taken kind of seriously, you know, brother dies, his, a man dies, his brother also dies, leaving no children. You know, so that kind of, kind of gets into the question of the law. And then they just keep adding brothers to this whole long list until finally seven men have had an opportunity to have children with this woman. Nothing happens. And then the woman herself dies. So in the resurrection, whose wife is she? And, um, uh, Jesus is, um, no, you have not only misunderstood, uh, uh, you, you have misunderstood what the resurrection is. Uh, um, it, it is not something that in any way, uh, well, maybe not in any way, but it, it is something that brings about a different quality of life yeah. uh, that we don't experience in this life. Uh, in verse 36, indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. And so Jesus pretty much just 
dismisses their argument. I mean, he sees it as being silly, and so he just doesn't even address it. And so he goes on to talk about the underlying question uh, of their disbelief in the resurrection or anything anything coming beyond this life. Now, remember, the Sadducees are the aristocratic class of, of, the, Jewish, uh, of the Jewish people, so they have their goodies. They're living the life. Um, so why believe in a resurrection? Uh, they've got it all here. Um, living in Greek or life in Greek that is used in this particular passage is zoe, which is a quality of life, not just biological life. So the Sadducees are seriously poking fun at both Jesus and the idea of a resurrection. Um, I didn't really find anything to illustrate this because Jesus illustrates it so well himself <laughs> here, but uh, for a special effect, this could be kind of interesting and maybe a bit of a challenge. Um, set up some spots in your worship space designated the living and the dead. And as this passage is read, you have Jesus, the Sadducees, and the woman and her husbands in the living spot. And as the husbands die, they travel over to the dead, where there are already a few people huddled, the previous people who, previous people who have died. Eventually, only Jesus and the Sadducees remain in the living spot. And then as Jesus talks about Moses, have Jesus move over to the dead and help Moses to his feet and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and have him travel over to the boundary of the living. And then at the end, when Jesus says that God is not the God of the dead, but living, but the living for in him all are alive, take down the boundaries around these spots and have all the people move in and around Jesus and be sure to include the Sadducees. Hmm. Cool. So a little drama there. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. definitely some people smart in that. Yeah. And maybe some self-smart for folks who are watching this, maybe giving them an idea to rethink what it means to, uh, what death means and what the resurrection means, how, how that changes death. So. Hmm. Cool. I was looking at this for Nature Smart, of course. And so um, the story has Jesus correcting the Sadducees because they assume that a resurrection life, if such a thing existed, and they don't believe there is, uh, would be like the present age. And uh, for whatever reason, they don't believe there's a new life in the age to come. So they don't have a lot of imagination about mm. such a life. Uh I wonder if maybe that's true for us as well, and so this, you know, this is this is fruitful, fruitful ground. But um, we we might reimagine the story for Nature Smart um, something like this: some Sadducees who say there is no such thing as butterflies came to Jesus to test him. Teacher, a certain caterpillar laid claim to a leaf and was eating it heartily when the caterpillar suddenly stopped eating and went off and spun itself into a cocoon. One of its siblings came to the leaf and began eating where the brother had left off, but this one too suddenly crawled off to spin itself into a cocoon. Yet another of the siblings came and started eating and likewise went into a cocoon and so on until seven sibling caterpillars had eaten the leaf. When they become butterflies in the resurrection, <laughs> which one will get to claim that leaf and eat it? And mm. 
Jesus answered them, Caterpillars in this life go about eating leaves and do so voraciously, but the butterflies of the life to come do no such thing, nor can they, for they are entirely transformed, so that they will have wings and only drink nectar, having no jaws or teeth for eating leaves. Hmm. I like that. So, Maybe add that to the I thing and have, you know, tell it in terms of nature smart. Retell the parable in terms of nature smart and do it visually. Yeah. So. Huh. You have little tiny uh, uh, pipe cleaner caterpillars (laughs) and and have them go go off into a cocoon. So for special effect, you could do that. And and then, then, oh, butterflies on sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that'd be kind of a fun way to include your kids. Have have the, the caterpillars on and, oh. They go away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here comes a butterfly. Yeah. Have them do the worm across the chancel. (laughs) And and then a couple of them come out with their butterfly wings. With their butterfly wings. Oh, I am a beautiful butterfly. (laughs) Yes. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Well, that's our podcast for today. Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org or facebook.com slash morethanhearing, or tweet us at morethanhearing, or email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions, or maybe got an idea you like better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We'd love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship. Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website, They go hand in glove with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes, Google Play, Android, or good old RSS. Or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org slash feed slash podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store. And of course, you can share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. Good production. Yay. Hey.